everyone. Welcome back to Easy Kiefer, the only podcast about the life and works of Kiefer Sutherland. I'm your host, Zachary Ladeep. I'm your other host, Jaden Cron. Before we get into this episode, uh, we're going to start doing content warnings, because, yeah. Some so, of these movies, man. Uh, just, just a heads up, this mo- we'll be talking about death, suicide, and intense themes. So, if that's not your thing, you might want to pick a different episode. Like Marmaduke. Yeah. You can listen to Marmaduke. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys, that we talked about Marmaduke for, yeah, you know, you know, we know what we did. Entirely too long. But today we're talking about Flatliners. So, Zach, I've got one question for you. <laughs> okay. Are you afraid to die? Because Kiefer Sutherland isn't. Sorry, that's what it says on the back of the DVD copy I borrowed from uh, my library. <laughs> it's good to know you're supporting library. He's a Kiefer. Yeah. Supports libraries. Libraries are good. Uh, yeah. Wow. I'm afraid to just try to unpack this movie. It's a lot in this movie. What's this movie about, Jaden? So, Kiefer Sutherland is an ambitious, charismatic medical student who persuades his classmates to basically um, go and be medical students in the coolest looking university of all time to make themselves flatline, hence the name of the, you know, they, they basically die and then they, like, revive themselves... I guess, and depending on what their experiences of being dead during that time is. Yeah, basically they're trying to figure out, is there life after death? So in a medically controlled environment, they die, and then they wait like however long, and then they bring them back. And then it's like a spooky movie, so they get haunted by their past after they die, it says it's a horror movie. It's not really a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. Yeah, it's... And I mean, par, at first I thought it was going to be a little bit more uh, philosophical mm-hmm. because of the, the like the first half of the movie is um, focused on them flatlining and their experiences when they flatline and what comes to what haunts them after they've flatlined. Yeah. But then the second half of the movie just turns into them resolving what's haunting them. And that's when it turns into a bit of more of a, just an average thriller, like, yeah. or at least like story wise. Yeah. That's what I found where I found I had the most issues with the movies movie. Like the whole idea is they're trying to explore what happens when you die. And then when, so Kiefer Sutherland, his character is the first one. He is this whole thing is his idea. He's the first one to do it. He comes back and he never he we see bits and pieces of what they experience and we see kind of, we get the gist of it. But then they never talk about it. They keep purposely like they'll the characters will ask, "How what happened? What did you see?" And they'll just say, "Oh, I couldn't describe it." But you just showed it? Yeah, to the viewer. Yeah. It was within if you can demonstrate, if you can show it through the movie, the characters can explain it. So it. it... If if I can explain it, the characters can explain it. Because yeah. I don't know. There are some visual things where, you know, like the ending of 2001 Space Odyssey. I couldn't tell you what happens. <laughs> I mean, I could. But like after just having watched the movie, I can't tell you what that is. But yet here we have very concrete visual images. Yeah. I just want to say, I think... I love Kiefer in this movie. I don't know about you. He's very good in this movie. He's very good in this movie. Him and Kevin Bacon. And Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, also very strong in this movie. They all kind of have this... Those three have this awesome... um, They have awesome haircuts. 
Oh and my so it goodness. just exudes this awesome hair power between the three of them for the entirety of the movie. They're kind of, they're two goon sidekicks. I mean, Joe was okay. Yeah. But. Uh, was Joe the one who was cheating? Joe? Yeah, Joe was the, yeah. the, he wasn't necessarily cheating. He was just, um, actually, no, wait, there was one point where he was cheating, but that wasn't the, the big issue. <laughs> Which is crazy. We can get to that in a moment. Um, but the other guy they were with, Steckler, he's the worst. Yeah. That, like, the actor was fine, was okay. But just, like, I'd say, yeah, between, like, conceptual issue, like, the concept being a weird issue with this movie and the writing. The writing yeah. like, kills me. It's, it's not good most yeah. of the time. Like, there's the occasional thing. But for the most part, it really wants to remind you that you're watching... A block like you're watching a movie that's made for a lot of people to see yeah because it i mean it takes a pretty extreme like question of an afterlife that's a pretty extreme question that's a pretty controversial question and say if you're gonna do that you have to go all in you can't just mm-hmm. dip your toe in and then be yeah. like Ooh. if you're gonna say something say something if not make a different movie again this movie Joel Schumacher thinks he's making a better movie than he is. Yes. Uh, we we pointed this out with Lost Boys, and I see it full force here again. It's very... Yeah, I mean, visually, this movie has some really awesome, interesting yeah. moments, in my opinion. The Particularly the flatline sequences themselves mm-hmm. are, like, the strong points of the movie. Yeah. Um, Because he creates this really disorienting vibe uh, for them. And yeah. it just, it's, that's really cool and fun to watch. But the rest of the movie is very, feels very stock. There's the parts with the hallucinations. In some ways, I respect their simplicity in that it's just, you know, um, Julia Roberts' character, her, so each character, they're basically, they have to face something they're guilty about. She's guilty about her dad uh, committing suicide. So her, her hallucination is she sees the bathroom where he, she found him uh doing uh, drugs and stuff and just the the door with like the red light it's super campy super cliche but it kind of worked but then i don't know this movie just yeah, the best the best part of that sequence specifically julia roberts's is not even not even the part where she opens the door for me it's her at this the party because her dad was in the war and he came mm-hmm. home and there's just these like flashes going on yeah like going you know there's obviously way more camera flashes than there would like reasonably be pictures being taken but it's this like it, it just really kind of echoed in me that experience of something that was traumatic as a child that you didn't really understand yeah and there were just people everywhere and there's one specific shot of like like a like a ladle from a punch bowl and i was like whoa man this is pretty cool man <laughs> but uh yeah i agree with you the rest of that you know w- was was very simple but like what we said earlier the fl- with the flatlining scenes the set design i love it because they're just mm-hmm. in this and this is apparently actually shot at an actual uh campus it's one a school in chicago um the whole setup did this have the I kept noticing they had the wall with, like, the gloves of, like, you know, when mm-hmm. you, you had the gloves where you stick it in and you, like, manipulate something in a sterile environment. There's just a wall of those, just a grid of yeah. them. Yeah, no I wasn't purpose. sure if that was art or if that was, like, the school environment is very confusing. <laughs> yeah, I would put money on someone in the art department saw those things and it's like, you know, it would be cool. 
If we had a wall of them. An entire wall of those, dude. It's so cool, dude. Yeah, um, this movie, man. <laughs> Wild. It's, I'll, t- I'll say one thing. It's nice to mm-hmm. be watching a real movie. Yeah, the yeah. First time since I, yeah, since The Lost Boys, we've seen an actual movie. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Crazy Moonhead aspects of a real movie. Yeah. Marmaduke had yeah. an aspect of a real movie, but this this is a real movie. You know, yeah. you sit down, you're watching a movie, and, like, that's just communicated through. Like, Joel Schumacher, at least, can make movies? He can't yeah. make great movies, but he can make movies. Yeah, like they're watchable i didn't hate it mm-hmm. i enjoyed yeah. it but like the that script man like some of the some of the jokes mm-hmm. and stuff the jokes specifically i was like oh yes haha ho, you're so funny this is a funny movie now <laughs> i just i hate movies that try to force comedy in where they just don't need it because mm-hmm. half the time it's just the jokes aren't funny enough to warrant it no, but don't you understand? They're like students, and students like bicker with each other, dude. Yeah. See, that's another thing. The whole they're students. I don't know. They just none of them yeah. seemed believable. Mm-hmm. As do just because the, the way the script is structured, we see them in class twice, and once again that classroom they're in. Completely impractical. I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like this is not. They're just, like, doing surgeries on dead bodies while there's, like, these frescoes above them and the walls are all adorned and everything is just covered with visual imagery. (laughs) Like, maybe they were trying to go for, like, they're trying to evoke um, ideas, Greek philosophy or Greek, you know, just Greek studies of the body, but it just came off as super pretentious. Yeah, like the ending shot of the movie like zooms out on like a a big painting of what I assume was Prometheus. Oh, yeah. I and that leads me to another problem I had with this movie. I mean, on top of, you know, Joel Schumacher think he's he's making something that he's not. Yeah. is the like it it's weird to have Prometheus because Prometheus gave something to humans mm-hmm. that was that was a significant development. They didn't really do anything or find anything out other than, like, if you survive a near-death experience, you have to deal with your past demons. But nobody, none of the people that Julia Roberts, to talked, like, talked to had that experience. It was just these specific yeah. medical students, I guess. That's a good point, because, yeah, they make a point of, so Julia Roberts, her character, works, uh, I, I'm imagining this is part of her, her schooling. Um, she's working uh, in like an actual medical wing, and she's uh, talking to patients who have had near-death experiences. Um, one of the things later in the movie is that she is interacting with a patient who is dying, and then they actually die. Um, but none of them mention that. It's just the flatliners. So, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, from... <laughs> For a movie that is trying to be about the divide between the scientific and the supernatural, mm-hmm. it doesn't have enough of either to really be making any kind of statement. Yeah. Like, Kevin Bacon, his character, like, at the beginning, his, his whole thing is that, <laughs> oh, I'm an atheist, so I don't believe that you guys are actually experiencing anything. And then he does it, and then he 
still doesn't really believe it, but then he's the one who realizes that basically they have to right their previous wrongs, and he just immediately accepts that. Mm-hmm. And there's they just don't really do anything with that. Yeah. Also, um, I feel like the writers were like, wait, okay, but like Joe, you know, was with all those women and he filmed all of them. Yeah. We can't have him go back and like make amends with every single woman he's been with. So they just kind of cheaply are like, yeah, you're your fiance. Yeah. Calls off the engagement and now you're solved. Hooray. Yeah, honestly, the fiance part feels tacked on because she she's not in the movie except for that. And he mm-hmm. calls her. He's just as bad of a person regard and to be fair she does point this out uh he's just as bad of a person for filming these women without telling them this Mm -hmm. yeah even if he's not cheating yeah um i think it's like i think it would have been way cooler also sorry (laughs) we're gonna keep talking about joe for a bit um i think it would have been way cooler if he had if he just didn't even have a fiance and just like had to deal with like his hedonism yeah um and his voyeurism and like realizing that's not okay that would have been way cooler than like you were cheating on me and filming these women goodbye and then everything's solved um yeah he also <laughs> okay i want to talk about his dream sequence just just a little bit just okay <laughs> not his dream sequence, yeah. his, his his flatline sequence uh because while everybody else has like these distinct um experiences of like that are usually like semi uh traumatizing he just sees <laughs> a bunch of women <laughs> yeah and like when we mean say a bunch it's literally just like that's it. It's just overlaid shots of various women, you know, from his birth to like just later kind of on. Mashed, just kind of composited together in different, you know, different not parts any, of their not bodies. Not co- coherent scene. It's just this is the only one I would argue. The whole, you know, I couldn't even describe it. Yeah, I'd actually apply, but you can still. There's still we just described it. So yeah, there still is something there. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like. Yeah, I had, like, a warm, happy feeling. And yeah. Like, something feminine was guiding me oh, as, my, like, that. the entire past five minutes were just, like, entirely the camera focused on breasts. Yeah. <sighs> that Joe. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't write this movie, but. Yeah, he, he didn't yeah. write he didn't write this movie. Um, but who, that is boy. important to note. He didn't write Lost Boys either. I don't think he's much of a writer. He certainly yeah. didn't write Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't get it. Uh, one specific quote in this movie that really, the the one line in this movie where I was like, yeah, with uh, was the part where where Steckel they're like in some like really like late night diner, and he's just like, even though it makes no sense in the context of this movie, we'll get to that in a second. Um. But uh, he says, we're finally going to have something to hold over those effing baby boomers. Oh, yeah. And we're all just like, I'm like, mood. But also, this makes no sense because you haven't discovered any. You found no real results. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like a horror movie where, like, I don't know, whatever. For all their talk of trying to be scientific, it's not. They just Like, at all. They just film it and record it. Just like, whoa. You know, I couldn't even, you know, it's like, <laughs> whoa, kind of just changes your whole perspective on life. And then they act yeah. as if, so they, they That's experience like... a form of an afterlife and then they, I don't know, they just kind of act like, I mean, yes, 
theirs was bad? Yeah, no, I think, I don't even think, like, I think the movie's intentionally vague so that you can do it. Because part, part of the tension of the first half of the movie is everybody trying to one-up each other to see who can go for a longer time. Yeah. Um, who can be dead for longer to see if that'll provide um, any more conclusive evidence. See, that was another, I guess that was another thing I thought was weird. They do that, and they also go so it it becomes kind of a one upping game of oh I did five minutes well, I'm gonna do six minutes I'm gonna do seven minutes mm-hmm. uh, but also they keep like they they keep joking that their goal is to get on sixty minutes oh yeah like what? the show yeah like because they want to be famous yeah they, on the news like the the undertone of it is they want to be famous. This isn't a movie about fame. This is not a movie about no. celebrity culture. It's about just stop. personal wrongs, but you, it's, yeah. Anyway, it's about mortality. I think we should probably stop talking about morality. how the premise of this movie makes no sense, because we could be here all night. Um, <laughs> but I, I like, overall, I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I wouldn't I th- say it's a very good movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it quite has the potential like uh, Lost Boys has, where I yeah. could see that becoming a cult movie with me and my friends. This movie is just kind of, eh. Like, it's something I'll see, and I probably won't think about for very Other long. Other than Kiefer. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like, Kiefer's a very strong part of this movie. He's really mm-hmm. good in this movie. This is his later years. This is, he's getting closer to, like, that Jack Bauer 24 Kiefer yeah, he's, he's not. He doesn't look like a little itty bitty boy. He looks grizzled yeah. and cool. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I, I just, mm, I love him. His his outfit in this movie. Oh my goodness. Oh. Um, like the the just that opening <sighs> shot of the movie of him. Like he he's just like on camera and he's just like, today is a good day to oh die. That was. And he's got like his big sunglasses on and like a trench coat. Oh, that was a bold so choice cool. to open the movie like that, and I applaud that. Yeah, that was good. Um, honestly, though, like, because, so Kiefer, out of everybody, has some of the worst hallucinations mm-hmm. um, because his past sin. So Joe, what he did, uh, Joe, you know, we already talked about how he cheated on his fiance and filmed a bunch of women while they had intercourse. Um, Kevin Bacon, he made fun of a girl yeah. in... Uh, in like elementary, Julia Roberts uh, watched her dad commit suicide, mm-hmm. and Kiefer Sutherland um, bullied this kid and made him die. Yeah, because yeah, and so Kiefer ends up getting like the worst um, hallucinations because he like he just has these visions of this kid coming back and like trying to physically hurt him. It's later revealed that Kiefer's just doing it to himself. Yeah, uh, the whole time. But where was I going with this? Something. Oh, when he's really like freaking out. I love him when he's freaking out in this movie. Yeah. I love his voice. And honestly, there's just times where he's, he just starts acting a bit like, like a gremlin or a goblin or a ghoul or something. And yeah. it made me think of the following. All right. I have, I have a pitch for you, Zach. Okay. So have you ever seen Beetlejuice? I'm familiar enough with it. I haven't seen it, but. Okay, Beetlejuice sequel with Michael Keaton and Kiefer Sutherland. Okay. And they're like rival Beetlejuices? And you said that three times and he's here. Okay, go on. Oh, no. 
and they're like, but they're like brothers or something. And so they're just trying to like one up each other and just wreak havoc on the town. I think that would be a lot of fun. All I'm saying, Kiefer Sutherland could make a good um, man who dresses in striped pajamas and is incredibly spooky and helps guide the dead. There we go. I mean, I don't want to summon Beetle. I don't want to summon it. <laughs> you, you, you're gonna cats already out of the bag. I'm sorry, but ladies and gentlemen, um, please welcome our uh, our guest special guest host, uh, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Hey, I can't remember what Michael Keaton's voice sounds like in this movie, so I'm just gonna... Ah, I'm in a Tim Burton movie. What's up, everybody? <laughs> it's not a good bit. I think it was a great bit. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, I legitimately think... I don't know why Kiefer never got... I think he'd be a great comedian, a a great comic actor like like Michael Keaton yeah. um, has because Michael Keaton's really ready to just Kiefer and Michael Keaton are both really good in their over the topness mm-hmm. um, right like my favorite the reason why Tim Burton's 1989 Batman movie is because I, I love that movie um, and one of the reasons why is because um, say what you about Tim Burton he's really good in that specific movie and at getting and in Beetlejuice at getting his actors to just really sell it, yeah, and to frame that in in a way that it, it really lets them shine, and I think that's probably honestly why Kiefer like these movies just aren't as good as they could be because they don't have directors who know how to let yeah these people shine. You gotta you gotta let your actors play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he forgets a bunch of, of good moments in this movie. Kevin Bacon does, too. There's yeah. like, he... I love his just random rants in this movie. Because everybody is so arrogant. Even though they haven't discovered anything. It's yeah. so... I, I mean, it's not... like who's Which one was the one who had the tape recorder? Uh, was that... Uh, that's Steckler. Yeah, that's Steckler. Steckler just will just do pretentious little monologues to himself on his tape recorder. That know. wasn't good. I, I like that. It, it was funny. It wasn't good. That's fair. It was funny. It, it just didn't come across as anything to me. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't. I do like that actor, though. He actually, uh, mainly, I like him in the first season of Fargo. He's great there, uh, which, uh, Zachary, have you, have you seen the first season of Fargo yet? The the law of me being part of the Calgary film industry requires that I say yes, but I have not. Uh, Don't tell anyone. You really should, even though Kiefer Sutherland is not in that series yet. Season, <laughs> I'm calling it now. Listen, I'll call in. I'll, 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 I, I'm sure I can get get in contact with someone there. And everyone, <laughs> everyone in Calgary knows someone who worked on Fargo. I'll be like, hey. I got this hot lead on this up and coming actor, Kiefer Sutherland. He just finished. <laughs> might he not just, have heard of him. He just finished um, the Designated Survivor, so mm. he's. All right. I mean, apart from Fugitive, he's not busy. Yeah. Is this so, movie Kiefer? Yeah. Um. I'm gonna say no, but just barely. See, I'm gonna say yes because I uh-huh. like Kiefer in this movie a lot. Like. That's fair. I'm. I'm not wild about this movie, but I didn't hate it. And after having watched Marmaduke and Crazy Moon and Brotherhood of Ch- it's just nice to watch a real movie. With yeah, that's fair. Also, production budget or, and value and set design and mm-hmm. real actors. <sighs> <laughs> um, 
as a side note, I'm actually retroactively changing my perspective on Crazy Moon to uh, to not a Kiefer. Okay. Um, yeah. I, you know, I've just been wrestling with that movie for the past couple weeks. Really been uh, I turning think, it uh, over. Yeah, mulling it in my head. But uh, yeah, this one, I just still think it's just, it's that script. Honestly, yeah. that script kills this movie. Everything else is serviceable. Yeah. But uh, I also like the, just as a side note, before we, we wrap up with this part of Flatliners, I like the, even though the lighting is, is really simple in this movie, I like how aggressive it is. I like yeah. shots with Kiefer where everything is blue and shots with Julia Roberts where everything is red. Like the back of the DVD has the font either in white, blue, or red, and then scenes from the movie that weren't in red or blue, just like overdone in red or blue. So that like I is clearly that. what has stuck in people's minds about this movie. You know, if you want, if you're going with a look, go with a look. I respect mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Okay, so we got one not a kefir, one a kefir. So we are going to now move on to a new segment, and I'm really mad that we didn't do this. We came up with this segment after reading the reviews for Marmaduke because they were super funny. <laughs> They're really good. Let's um, so we're gonna we're gonna start reading Amazon reviews for movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I got one. That's less. Um, <laughs> okay, it's less about the movie itself and the DVD. But don't worry, it's not just a oh, it was scratched. Okay. Yeah. Um, this one is uh, from July seventeenth, twenty fifteen. No menu, no Korean subtitle. That's a really terrible title. And actually, that was <laughs> so. Like when I I put the DVD in, we were gonna yeah. go put on, um, uh, we were gonna go put on some subtitles, and I noticed I thought it was weird. It was like English, French, Spanish, Korean. So, and we never tried it. So who knows if the movie does have um, Korean subtitles or not? It's it will forever remain a mystery. All right, you got one yet? I'm looking, cat. So there's a five-star rating. Uh-huh. Uh, the title of this review is Life After Death or Hell on Earth. Oh! <laughs> this is the only horror sci-fi thriller which has ever got to me. Freaked me out, even. The only other movie to come close to was The Wizard of Oz. But then, I was only four years old. And then they got a little, wow. a little winky emoticon. That's cute. That's cute. Yeah. I like that. you love to see it. Okay. Wait, wait was that it? That was it. Okay, I've got. I've actually got two. Uh, one of them, I think, provides some insight, but we're going to read that one second. This one, I'm... So, the title uh, is... Duh. <laughs> I'm Julia Roberts, and I'm a doctor. I'm Kevin and Bacon, and I'm a doctor. Duh. I stole some kids' milk money. The end. That's just the title. Um... I honestly don't know how this movie has such good reviews. It has absolutely no continuity at all. Basically, if you're a deep thinker, or I should say, if you're a critical thinker, you're not going to like this movie. This movie is so full of contradictions. Um, uh, This group tells stories about their experience being dead. Then what happens? The movie simply discards it. It 
throws it all out the window. Instead, when the main characters die, they all see someone whom they have done wrong to. In the past, no white light, no tunnel, no floating over their bodies. Instead, it's just like they're dreaming about someone they offended. Can U say stupid? I can. That's all. That's in, that's in all caps. I. Um, Kiefer Sutherland character Kiefer Sutherland's character dreams about some kid he bullied when he was like five years old. Are you serious? So this guy lived for 25 years and he was such a saint that the only wrong thing the afterlife could throw back in his face was stealing some kid's milk money when he was practically still in diapers. There you have it. Let me sum up the money the movie for you in a sentence or two. Duh. I'm Julia Roberts. Duh. I'm Kevin Bacon and we're doctors. Duh. Duh. I stole some kid's milk money. Duh. Oh no, he's trying to kill me. Duh. The end. Oh, then end. Um, save yourself the trouble. That's the, the end of that Why one. isn't this guy hosting our podcast? <laughs> he just did. Yeah? That's well, fair. We, in... In a few short paragraphs, he just did what we've tried to do in 35 minutes. So Yeah. Shout out to Okay. So, unless you have another one, I've got um, another one. I do have one. It's a short one. Um, it's kind of... Okay. So, this is a four-star rating. Um, okay. Keep that in mind. Favorite. This film is an all-time favorite, and the video quality is timeless and perfect, yo. It's a four-star rating. Perfect. Hmm. Okay. So, this one... Um... I'm just going to read it. I actually got to read the original screenplay of The Flatliners just after the deal was made to make the movie. I read it and was blown away. It was awesome. I keep checking the screenplay websites to see if the original draft by Peter Filardi gets out, but I haven't seen it yet. A year later, I went to see the movie. Do the initials WTF mean anything to you? No, what does that mean? About halfway through, I wondered what was going wrong. I don't remember reading that. Uh, By the end, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. An incredible screenplay had been completely destroyed. I went to the folks who'd slipped me the script and asked what in the world happened to Flatliners. They were as bummed out as I was. Apparently, Joel Schumacher didn't like the spiritual aspects of the script. So he threw them out. Let me repeat that. He made a movie about the afterlife and threw out the spiritual aspects of it. That's like making a musical and deciding that nobody would want to hear all that singing. Then, one of the stars became a <laughs> became a big star. So big star has capital letters um, in front of those words. Going into production, her people said, She's a big star now and she can't do anything wrong. I could just imagine someone with a brain asking, but the premise of the film that everyone has done something wrong and it comes back to haunt them. No, you don't understand. She's a big star and nobody wants to see her do anything wrong. And she won't. So they butchered the script to satisfy the big star. The the heroin-addicted Vietnam vet daddy sequence replaced an exciting subplot of a professor wrongly accused of sexual harassment who had killed himself and comes back to haunt the the female lead. That's not... I'm going to take a break here. That's not good. Oh, my... I'm sorry. So, I am... uh, As a film student... (laughs) 
so we're in my writing class where we've been working on like talking about like changes in drafts and like you know from draft one to the actual movie Mm -hmm. that's not how any of this works (laughs) (laughs) go on but just oh my goodness the ending was great trying to tying up every strand and leaving on a high note for the survivors gone I actually read an article in Fangoria, or maybe it was Starlog, where Joel Schumacher brags, brags about their ghastly butchering of the original script by himself and the big star who can't do anything wrong. For those of you who wonder why movies are so bad, this is how that happens. (laughs) Peter, movies are bad. I feel bad for you, buddy. You wrote a five-star script. 56 people found this review helpful. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so this this person believes that Julia Roberts and her people mm-hmm. didn't like the idea of her character of her, of her portraying a character with flaws, so they said no. She has to be perfect. And then the character that we see in the movie is perfect? What? Like, I guess... Like, I can, okay, if you, if he did see an actual, like, earlier draft, and he preferred that over this, whatever, that's, maybe it was better. But also, that's just not how things work. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies aren't bad because directors butcher scripts. Movies are bad because studios butcher scripts. And a lot of other reasons, and you don't know what you're talking Mm-hmm. I do, because I'm yeah. a film student. I just want to remind you all. <laughs> so that has been uh, Amazon Reviews. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you, reviewers. Thanks, Jeff Bezos, for giving us the chance to do this. And your mm-hmm. infinite generosity. Moving right along to Kiefer News. Bit of a light week this week, but... Um, just like every week? <laughs> listen, we've said this before. Not everyone is as buckwild for this man as we are, and uh-huh. that bums us out. That's true. Kiefer Sutherland announces December tour dates. This is from Broadway World. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he's going on a West Coast tour for um, his album Reckless and Me. Uh, he did nice. a tour this summer already. Um, he's going to be along the West Coast. Um, I'm going to read off the locations because that would be very boring. But yeah, so he'll be, if you're on the West Coast uh, and you want to hear some decent country music, and this is coming from someone who does not like country music, look into that. Um, yeah, any, any, anything to add? Uh, not really. Okay. Uh, this, this just in, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, really cool guy. That's Uh, all I have to say. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm getting confirmation. Yes, we have confirmation on this story. Yes. He's cool. Okay. Wonderful. Another classic bit. Another. (laughs) Okay, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's my turn to pick the movies. So, oh boy, your two options: Young Guns, nineteen eighty-eight mm-hmm. cowboy movie. It's got Kiefer. It's got Emilio Estevez, Charlie mm. Sheen, Dermot oh, the, Mulroney. The Estevezes are involved in this. <laughs> oh, you know they are. Oh boy. Um, or we could watch or. a movie. Directed by and starring Keeper Sutherland, Truth okay. and Consequences, and M, and M, of course, standing for New Mexico. This is 1997.
Okay. I'm feeling young guns. Young guns it it. is. That's the choice. I want to be a cowboy. Cowboy, baby. baby. Thank you, Kid Rock. Thank you, that one vine of that old guy. (laughs) Okay, let's wrap this thing up for real, though. Thanks to Kaya once again for our amazing cover art. You can check out links to her other work in the description. Go check her out. She's really cool. Um, Thanks to Kevin McLeod Mm -hmm. for everything you do, but specifically for sax, rock, and roll, our intro and outro music. Go check out our Instagram. Follow us, like, comment, all that stuff. Subscribe. We, like I said, we're on every single uh, podcast platform known to humanity. Mm-hmm. So go check us out on whatever thing you you like. Go leave a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. Um, you can if you want to send us a voice message on Anchor, you can do that. Do we know how that works? No, but if someone were to send us one, maybe we, we could know. figure it out. We could learn together. It'd be a fun experience. So hey, you know, just saying. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Um, go watch Young Guns. Oh, you know it. I'm... <laughs> Boy, I'm ready for this one. <laughs> Let me tell you what. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what. You better watch the Young Guns. I already um, got my cowboy hat on, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're from Cowtown. It's actually Yahoo. You know what? You can get off my podcast. Sorry. No, that the, the official know. branding at Stampede this year was Yahoo. You'd, like, collect these little pins that had O's. Um, and make your Yahoo longer, the more fun you were having. Speaking of having fun and this being too long, <laughs> I'm Zachary Leduc. I'm Jaden Cron. Thank you for listening. This has been He's a Keeper. Keeper.